Hi everybody, welcome to Agitator. Today, we're talking 2004's Hiroyuki Imayashi's Dead Leaves, along with 2009's Takeshi Ko- Ko- Koyuki's Red Line. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, bro, I was trying to hold it in. <laughs> like, I don't think if, I'll ever get tired of hearing you try to say Japanese names. And just keep going. Like, total total NPR bullshit. But just, hey, like, that's my... pretend I'm not stumbling over it. Dude, that's my... I've had this ornament since I was your age, kid. This is a family heirloom. You have no respect for culture. You have no respect for the process. You have no respect for your heritage. It's heritage, not hate. Yeah, that's what Ninja Turtles. Heritage, not hate. Heritage, not hate. I gotta be careful. I gotta be careful because Rios is in the shower. I don't want to record her naked. (laughs) (laughs) No, that'd just be disrespectful. That'd be disrespectful. So I gotta hide the Taz cam when she goes out. Jesus Christ. I literally spit out my drink. <laughs> oh. oh, man. This is the kind of shit that's so stupid, it's hilarious. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, man. What you got? You got a Squishmallow boy? He likes this little cat that's in an espresso cup called a Squishmallow. Hey, I got an idea. We haven't watched TV all day. It's already noon. You want to watch some TV? Oh, been saving up for it. Yeah, we went outside. I was listening to uh, No Country for Old Men for Rare Candy. So I was listening to the to the audiobook. It's so fucking good. Such the Cormick's got the same guy for his audiobooks, too. He's pretty good. Oh, really? Yeah. Same dude does all of them? Yeah, I listened to The Road. It was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got the rhythm down, all the ands, you know? and did this and did that and did this and did that like he actually makes it sound uh like you can you can fuck that up because i used to copy that style in the way that i wrote mm-hmm. <clears throat> so when i would read live i would try to do it and <laughs> after like the third and you think to yourself oh jesus why did i do this this looks so much cooler <laughs> on the page but it's really hard to say yeah man i can't wait to do live readings again because uh, I feel like doing audiobook work has kind of gotten me better, like sharper at that kind of shit. 100%, yeah. You've got, you basically have to do your audiobooks in, what is it, like one or two takes, basically? Yeah, because otherwise that shit could take 30 hours. Yeah, you don't want to do that shit. But, uh, but no, yeah, we're talking about Dead Leaves and Redline today. I'm not. Uh, I know you said this on the chat, and I agree with you. Uh, Redline might be a top five movie of all time for me now. Yes. Yeah. When I saw it, I was like, "This goes right up there with Itchy the Ki- Akira." Mm-hmm. Might have to move out of the way. Like, God yeah, I damn, agree. coolest movie I've ever so, seen. We can start with that one because I think it's the one I know more of. There's more to talk about with it. Actually, no. Let's do it the reverse way. Let's talk about uh, Dead Leaves first, which is 50 minutes long, 5-0. It's a short film. 
it's got a kind of Tank Girl, Red and Stimpy, Aeon Flux style to it. Uh, and it's about two clones who wake up naked on the on a busted moon, like the moon's in shambles. Uh, their name is our, their names are Pandy and Retro. Retro's got a TV for a head, and Pandy basically looks like Tank Girl. Think, I think he calls her Pandy because uh, he calls her a panda at the beginning. He's like, why do you look oh, like a panda? Yeah. <laughs> right, because her eye's all black. She's got like a black eye. And uh, it's where she carries some kind of jeans. It doesn't matter. None of it, none of it matters. The <laughs> You know what's going on because they, uh, they get into this badass fight on Earth, kill a bunch of cops, fight a, a mech robot thing. Then they get sent to prison where they're wrapped up in these kind of worm suits where they can't they can't move and uh they escape by having sex with each other which is really funny like all the prisoners are watching and they're like you just had the most incredible sex i've ever seen i'll follow you anywhere <laughs> and so they they fuck they, they escape and retro goes how do we get out of there and she goes i have no idea and then retro says all right well whatever and then the movie starts back up it's telling you right there that it doesn't care about making sense it's just a visual extravaganza yeah it's all about just having fun there's things that there's like elements at play that you could dive into make commentary on but that's all just kind of cyberpunk tropes that are tossed in just to be Mm -hmm. like yeah it's there there's a story let's keep going uh Mm -hmm. jumping from one idea to another yeah bubba's the the prison was so funny because so they're like tied up in these straight jackets and they're put on conveyor belts basically where they're like pulled along anytime that they're supposed to go eat or shit and they're forced to shit and so they so all <laughs> of their straight jackets have a uh, a little butthole where a tube comes he's up. Like, I don't, he's like, I don't have to poop. And the guy's like, oh, you will. You will. <laughs> and then one guy backs it up. He's like, you... And then the, the warden guy comes over. looks like Lobo, like a green Lobo. And he's uh, he goes, you you shit too much. You backed it all up. You're disgusting. And this guy's crying. And his, his, his tube is just... <laughs> there's, there's so much, like, piss shit and cum in this. But it's rendered in such a non-offensive non-textural way there's no real there's no real texture to the animation style it's it's color and shape so yeah it, it's not a fit it's not it's not i mentioned ren and stimpy but ren and stimpy was much more gross because you'd get those highly texturized close-ups of boogers and shit this is much more <clears throat> it's almost like stained glass was is what it reminded me of Ooh, that's a good one like a kaleidoscope it's like baby's yeah. first uh, offensive cartoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the like high contrast, like deep, and then it's not it's not pastel colors. It's that mid range like a uh, bubblegum pinks, aquamarines, teals, uh-huh. electric yellows, without much in the way of shading either. When something is a color, it's that one color. So it feels it feel it felt to me like flash animation too, like an early two thousands Ebom's World short that was all flash animated. <clears throat> that is the kind of style that it reminded me of, and I mean it. It definitely it feels uh, 
you know, like comic book panels that are moving. Which, it's like, well, no shit, what about like, anime? And, no, no, this is just, like, comic panels that move. It's even got sound effects written into it. Like, ooh, you'll see the O's yeah. going across the screen. Oh, oh, doing that uh, This is from, uh, this is from Dune. <laughs> That was, Remember that part? That was dead on. You've been, Thank you. You've been playing a lot of <clears throat> Yeah. Well, I do the... I practice uh, with my throat a lot for singing. For singing, I'm sure. Gotta make sure, sure my throat's good. I'm sure, I'm sure my for thro- singing. My throat, has to be, my throat has to be on point for singing. That's why um, your throat needs to be mm-hmm. uh, able to withstand endurance. Yep, yep. A lot of pressure from my uh, vocal... Uh, vocal vocalness all the vocalness coming through my chords <clears throat> but uh so yeah so in, in terms of dead leaves i think that um i thought it was great I, I had a lot of fun with it um i did i liked that the um was it the creator of no this might have been a red line thing i don't want to get my wires crossed i got a lot of great quotes from an interview between the two directors of uh, Redline because Koike directed it technically, but uh, Ishi Ishi, the the writer, mm-hmm. was basically a co-director on that, and uh, he was a uh, he basically worked for Yoshiaki Kawajiri on um, they worked on Ninja Scroll and Wicked City, Demon City Shinjuku, so that's kind of where he came up. But uh, the quote that I was thinking of that applies to Dead Leaves anyway is that he goes. He's like, I get really bored. He's talking about the partnership that he has with the other director for Redline. He said, it's good that we work together because he can focus on things and see something through to the end. And he's like, I straight up fall asleep rewatching my own movies because I can't <laughs> sit, sit still for 15 minutes. <laughs> and that's how Dead Leaves feels as well. It feels so schizophrenic and fast-paced and colorful <clears throat> that I'm... <sighs> I'm not talking shit. I'm just saying, like, I, ch- I checked how much longer it was left, like, once or twice. Just to be like, what the f- Like, where, where are... Because you kind of lose sense of time, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, I didn't... I wasn't dying for it to be over or anything. It's just that I I lost... I was like, how far into this movie am I? Yeah. Shit's popping off. Yeah, because it's like, one... It's the same experience when you run into a big... Me? Experimental brick of text and, like, reading a book, and you're like, how... Like, this run-on sentence has gone for three pages. When is it going to stop? Yeah, yeah, you check ahead just to know how long, how much you're going to have to tuck in for the rest of it. And also, you start to wonder if the final... Where I checked it was when Pandy starts to fight the, the naked cyborg chick who struck me as the final boss. I was like, this feels like this is happening too too soon and sure enough there was still like 15 minutes to go and that makes you start to wonder like huh that's interesting what are they going to do with the last 10 minutes of the movie if this is already the the quote-unquote end man it's hard to even see you know it fluctuates time because it's hard to even talk about in in sections like the final boss or that climax or what it's like what climax it comes out the gate like just on full 
you know, pulsing noggin vein mode mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. stays mm-hmm. there until until it explodes. I liked Retro's voice. It almost sounded like Cartman at times. Uh, I liked the prisoner with the drill dough, the Tetsuo reference, except it's a huge drill. And he kind of looks like a gorillas. He does, yeah. Creature. I thought th- you know? I thought that gorillas had something that, like the animators or the character designers yeah. of gorillas had something to do with this. I couldn't find anything right. on that. The in- it is. It definitely feels like Jonan Vasquez uh, inspired, like Invader Zim style. Yeah, almost. Yeah, hundred percent. It is um, the same animators as uh, Fully Cooley. Yes, yes, Fooly Cooly is the big one. It's uh and it has that same kind of a What's up, dude? What's up? What you want? Isn't this relaxing, beautiful southern music from your heritage? <laughs> Her- heritage not hate. <laughs> <laughs> what if that was like a you're cycling through the baby swing like the baby carriage sounds to soothe them to sleep and it's like da, 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 da. and then it goes you know the the like womb noises and then it goes we just wanted to cover all the bases you know Babies come from all Actually, Yankee Doodle is one of his that he will get down when he hears Yankee Doodle. That shit goes. It goes. It's no doesn't doesn't idle. There's no idling with Yankee Doodle. It goes. Yankee Doodle is a is a dead leaves type of. Yeah. yeah. It just yeah. goes. Yeah. Yeah. Dead Leaves is the Yankee Doodle of cartoons. That's my thought process on this on this thing. But yeah, what is there to say? I mean, I'm I'm uh I feel bad for Dead Leaves because we watched it with Redline. And Redline is really what I, I want to get into. But do you have any more I mean, Dead Leaves is brilliant. I was reading comments on it uh, on YouTube because there's a some anime uh, YouTuber or whatever who had like a five minute Patreon pitch at the beginning of his. I was like, come on! I was kind of skipping through. It's like, can you get to the? Because and then he just kind of does a recap of the plot. I was like, I'm so confused by what YouTube even is. <laughs> Re- like he just tells you what happens in the movie, and the video is 20 minutes long. The movie is only 50 minutes long. Like, what? What are we doing? No, no shade though. That's cool. yeah. Make I mean, yeah, get your but, money. And uh, should we do a five-minute Patreon pitch? Is that what's supposed to... I don't understand I don't that. Well, there's just there's just not that much to it when it comes to the Patreon. It's just Cascade Platinum Plus. Whoa, you can take all that shit off your, off your pan? That's crazy. Ooh, I like this music. All right. Yeah, there's not much to a Patreon pitch for anybody listening to this free episode. If you like this, we do another one of them every week. And we write a bunch of shit. Yeah, we, we, write, yeah, we write a bunch of shit. Write, uh, got our own manga and prose form experiment going on, writing weekly chapters of 
ongoing novels. When will they end? Nobody knows. You might have to kill us we to get, find out. We get messages weekly from patrons that are very nice and, uh, you know, they really love it. So, oh, and shout out Jamie Sean Jenkins for uh, suggesting that we do Dead Leaves. Yeah, yeah, big Jamie. Thank you, sir. Jamie, he's been around for, for quite some time. Since he's I came been on a, the scene, I've known Yeah, he's been Jamie. around, bro. Yeah. Jamie's been around. Jamie's fucking legit, dude. Um, yeah, that's it's really cool. Him and, uh, you know, shout out Han for telling us how he found us. <laughs> Which is what we thought, which was our suspicion. It's like, yeah, I typed in a movie into, into Spotify, and this is what came up. Which is why we're always like, man, what do we even title these things? Maybe we should keep titling them after the movies. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that, I think Spotify's search algorithm is good enough that if we have the title of the movie in the description, that might be good enough. But who knows? We'll put Dead Leaves in Red Line as the title for this one. If you search several of our, uh, several of the movie titles that we've done, if you search that, we're the first show to pop up. I thought that was pretty cool. I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is. And I think we get, you know, we accidentally put out our Cure episode right when Cure was released on Criterion. So shit like that. It's just, and we don't, we're not smart enough to plan that. So it's just, you just kind of have to get lucky. But you see that all the time with these things that take off. It's like, what did it? And the person will say, well, it was just really lucky. Like, I, I wrote this book about blah, 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 blah. And it happened. the actual thing happened a week before the book was released. And I'm like, well, goddamn, there's no way you could have planned that. Unless you did. Unless you're a fucking terrorist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know what? I have to say that. Just get your money. Hey, do what you gotta do. Do what you gotta do. That's just um, uh, clever marketing as far as I'm concerned. It is clever marketing. Alright, so you don't want to watch this. That's cool. That's fine. You don't have to. I'm not uh, gonna make you watch some stuff you don't want to watch. You want to watch Marbles? Hey kids, the ads on YouTube can fucking suck my learn. dick, bro. <laughs> death to ads on youtube i'm so glad that uh we don't do youtube i thought about it i've thought about uh i think <sighs> sorry i burped i think that for youtube it would have to be uh video content you know i mean even if it was just a video of you know how like sam hyde does videos of him driving his car and giving advice and shit right it would just something like that it has to have some kind of visual element to it but rune soup does youtube just just the episode basically i think now gordon puts up the zoom call as well and they do pretty good but anyway does this is very i'm sure uninteresting to listeners what would we <laughs> even like, do for you like because we've been hmm. asked uh or i've gotten tiktok comments on like our promo videos saying y'all should do video like this is a highly underrated show y'all should do video content and stuff which has me thinking would we strap gopros to our heads and like well, like because we don't sit down and uh 
t- we don't typically sit down to shoot the shit unless we have a guest we have to talk to over Zoom. That's not a bad idea. The GoPro strapped to the head split screen is a really funny idea. Actually, especially if it's just <laughs> in my in my semi messy living room right now. Just you just <laughs> that would be. You know what? How much are GoPros? They're cheap now. They're not that expensive. A couple hundred bucks, maybe? 150 Everything gets so cheap when you let it. I remember when technology, a CD player used to be like $30. Yeah. Well, yeah. In the 90s, mm-hmm. the equivalent of $500, which was like 30 Yeah. Man, inflation is a bitch. Yeah. Um, a couple hundred bucks, 300 bucks. Yeah. We could do that. That might be funny. To just, <laughs> just Gus running after me with the PlayStation controller. <laughs> oh, my, my dog slowly dying in a corner. You know, the crowd pleasing shit. These just become more uh, and more complicated to like put together. We got our vocal tracks mm-hmm. and then our separate video tracks. <laughs> Yeah, figure out yeah. split screen you know what if y'all want video y'all have to uh we need an intern agitator is hiring yeah. interns with experience in video editing must have at least 12 years experience in the field uh yep. an imdb page with hollywood big budget uh background mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. has to have direct connections to people in hollywood who can hook us up with sweet seven figure no look, switcheroo, flip twist, fakey, hard style, three sixty deals. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're looking for. You don't have that. You, all, you don't have that. You also must be a patron, and oh yeah, uh, at the at the two hundred dollar tier. <laughs> and you will not be paid for this service. Got to pay us two hundred dollars a month to uh, to edit our videos. Yeah, that seems good. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll get a good, like, you got to kind of narrow it down. I don't want 1,200 applications to go through, right? Like, you got to kind of narrow it down. We might get 10 people for that. So, like, yeah, that would be easier to choose from maybe a dozen who respond to that call to action. What are you doing? See, if you click different videos, all you're going to do is just end up watching nothing but ads. Because it restarts. Oh, we're not watching Blippi. No way, dude. No, 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 no. It's no, not. No, that's no. not. That's not happening. Could you do that for money? See, I was thinking. No. I was no, hearing no, 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 about no. Uh, people have been having discussions about selling out and stuff. Uh, hmm. Where? I have no idea. Uh, was I listening to something? I really have no idea because okay. we deleted social media, so I don't know where. But I, I had to have been listening to some podcasts, and they were talking about selling out and shit, and. Oh, Is it rare candy, uh, maybe? Mutual Aberration Society. Uh, oh, okay. Right on. Because he, you know, works in scripts and stuff. So, yeah, they're mm-hmm. talking about selling out and shit. And uh, writing, I will sell out in a heartbeat. Because yeah. I can just write whatever I want for fun. Doesn't You're not going to stop me. So if you're offering me a bag for what I'm writing, I'm taking it. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. But yeah. I'll write Pokemon. I don't care. I'd, I'd actually write Pokemon and enjoy that shit. But. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, putting my face on it. Like, you want me to dress up 
and a bow tie and one of those helicopter hats <laughs> and like no lens <laughs> orange glasses yeah and be called a you do you do it if you make blippy's bag though blippy's making I, millions a month I, I i know he is but i don't know bro because then that becomes your life and then you start to wonder what is life no you quit see this is the problem people get lost in the sauce they do it too long you go in you make because how many how much money do you really need this is what people don't understand the, the people who feel the need to keep up appearances and i mean this whether it's actors or <clears throat> you know writers social media creatures like if you're a social media creature right and you let's say that you get a, a big book deal or something right and you make that money you could just delete like after that check gets cashed disappear delete your account because if you understand how money works right you let's say you make a half million dollars just throwing a random number out there no basis in reality just a completely uh, falsified legendary number say so make a half million dollars the book comes out you nobody ever hears from you again why because <clears throat> now you're writing shit under a pseudonym nobody knows where you are because you took that five hundred thousand dollars and you bought uh, three duplexes right you buy three duplexes you live in one of them and have your neighbor pay your mortgage for you with their rent and now you have three properties that are giving you passive income every month in perpetuity forever you don't have to do anything after that because then you can just build right after those three duplexes are paid off then you can add more property to your portfolio you can you can buy a business you could buy a ups store you could buy one of those bounce castle businesses those shits make insane money bro. that's really insane low money. overhead too the bounce castle yeah. thing because that's just like yeah make sure there's no holes in the shit and pay my, pay the electric my homie, bill my homie was looking at buying into one of those for a quarter of a million but do you know how much money the it's it's called a fun box right it's called fun box is like the big bounce castle thing those things make 60k a weekend god damn yep Yep, and he says, you know, you hire high school kids, you pay them good. You can pay them like twenty bucks an hour because it's part time. Is the best money they're going to get anywhere, and it's nothing. You like your tickets go for twenty bucks. You sell one ticket, you you paid for that kid for an hour, and it's just between two hundred and fifty and five hundred customers every day, over the weekend, and you just collect, collect money to the tune of after all is said and done. Not gross, but net, you take home about 700k a year, just from owning a fun box. So you see what I'm saying, dude? It's like, this is what you do. I don't understand people who, who have to continue to be in the spotlight of shit. Like, you go in, you make money, and you disappear. Now, there are... <laughs> I guess I'm answering my own question, because there are better ways to make money than writing a book or being in the movies or whatever but people who are doing that are doing that to fulfill some kind of insecurity that they, that they have about themselves <clears throat> um 
they want some sort of praise out of it. Yeah, them. right. So, like imagine you got into like you got chosen for the role of Blippy because you set down a path of being some kind of actor and Blippy is what you ended up with. And you get uh-huh. that bag, but it's also like damn. Um mm-hmm. um Blippy. I uh, I'm Blippy, right? Thought right. I was going to secured- be the transporter. And, uh, and I'm blippy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you start off wanting to be James Bond, and you end up as Bar- like in the Barney suit instead. <laughs> but what if Barney but is like sexy as hell? Could be. I doubt it though. Uh, but see, that's the thing. So you, you act like Barney for five years or ten years, then you disappear. You use your money to build up a business. This is what nobody under. And this is this is the agitator sauce that we lay down in different forms almost every episode. But this is the sauce. No matter how you make your money, I'm not gonna make my money from books, right? I write books because I like doing them. I'm gonna make my money other ways. But the point is, you make a shitload of money by being a smart businessman and being financially literate and getting your shit together, take care of your family, all that. But then you also have disposable income to promote your books. See what I'm saying? Like, you do it. But you do it the other way. Most people write the book and then want to get paid a bunch of money for it. That's ridiculous. That's insane. That's an insane person's idea of how this shit works. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, make the money. Make it so that you have $100,000 to spend over five years on your on promoting your shit. And then I guarantee you'll be a, a if not a household name, you'll, you'll be a working writer after that, if you're any good. Anyway, rant over. Yeah. No, that's my plan 100%. Like, I would just drop 30 to 50K, depending on the income, a year on promotional shit just to keep, like, just to have eyes, like, certain levels of eyes on the shit. Then past a certain point, you don't even have to promote it. Like, once you put, like, if you're doing the marketing the right way, Mm -hmm. people are just going to know you. You don't have to keep pushing it. Yep. Yep. So that's the that's the big trick. If anybody wants to follow the the secret David plan, you don't have to buy any of these stupid books about how to get an agent or get published or anything like that. Forget all of that and learn a skill. Learn a skill, become skilled at something, make money from it, and then use the money that you make because it's a straight up pay, you know, dollar in, dollar out system and pay into it and then if you're any good at that point then worry about you know the quality of your writing because at that point you know you do want it to be good uh if you're like kelby and i i mean we well we have that on lock right the shit you've been writing by the way on samurai jesus has been fucking blowing my damn mind it's the best shit you've ever written uh and people fucking really need to check this out it's just like it's just next level. I mean, Mercy was next level too, but this is like, <clears throat> this is Mercy if if Kelby's entire goal was to just do one chapter of Mercy every week. So you get that level of detail and depth to like every single word. And it just, part four in particular, just the whole thing was singing. So good for you anyway, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, thank you. Uh, Ronan Trash is like keeping me sharp because... Mm-hmm. you drop that shit and I'm like man I'm laughing my ass off the whole time of course we're both just naturals we just fling this shit out and it just comes out how mm-hmm. it comes out so like 
but the musicality is there as well. There's like lines where I'm just like, this is why I, this is why I only read myself and the homies because the, <laughs> we know how to write and not many other people do. And you can see the anime influence too on the writing, a hundred percent. There's stuff missing from both of our serialized books that go into other books, but you can tell that it's just because we've been brain poisoned by a steady diet of anime and manga, and we just basically say, "Yeah, I'm not doing that." Where's all the uh, Where's all the interior monologues to the characters? How did the characters feel? It's like, no, not doing any of that. None of that. Yeah. Do you know how? how guts feels i mean you do Sometimes. because of the the music that plays <laughs> of him looking sad <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah i think it's f- fairly safe to say that guts is usually just sad but uh redline let's talk about redline i've got some redline. by the way again i want to reiterate i'm not uh i'm not hating on deadly i thought deadlies was great we just smashed it up against a movie that literally busted its way into our top five. So I definitely want to talk about this. Uh, Takeshi Koike, the director, I'll put a link in the show notes because I'm reading this off of a website that I forgot to write down. Uh, Koike began working for Madhouse in 1986. Shout out, great year. Uh, doing in-between animation. So this was a really interesting thing that I discovered that people who, who know anime have probably known forever but there's key animation and in-between animation that's what it sounds like so key animation is there's guys whose whole job is to animate <clears throat> sort of a single frame of badass shit you know like somebody getting split in two or a monster coming out of somebody's head or whatever right and then the in in-betweeners job is to link them all together it's more grunt work right like going from key shot to key shot so the in-betweener is where you start off, <clears throat> essentially, uh, copying other people's work and linking them together. So he worked on as an in-betweener for Wicked City, Demon City, Shinjuku, and then he moved up to key animation for uh, Cyber City, Ninja Scroll, and something called Birdie the Mighty, which we haven't covered yet on this on this show. Uh, in 2003, he directed... The, a short for the, the Animatrix movie called World Record and directed, storyboarded, and created key animation for the pilot episode of Afro Samurai. And then after completing Redline in 2009, Koike did Lupin the Third and something called Daisuke Jigen's Gravestone. And uh, Katsuhito Ishii, who wrote, produced, and kind of co-directed, uh, he mostly does live action movies. Taste of Tea. I think I've seen Benji talk about Taste of Tea. Yeah. And Funky Forest, actually. Yeah, Taste of the, Tea the, is the one that has the, like, uh, a lot of the transposed images of, like, a lot of practical effects and shit of mm-hmm. little kids' faces mm-hmm. in the sky and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Right on, right on. But key, the key to this whole thing is that Ishii worked on the anime sequence for Kill Bill Volume 1. Uh, so basically what was interesting about this uh the question is director ishii you drafted the idea for redline right ishii says right the initial push came from the producer said hey let's try something new uh and basically to paraphrase all of this they just were like well let's do something with cars make it sci-fi very agitator style of development you know mm-hmm. it's like oh it's the moon it's uh <laughs> you know there's there's some stuff going on um 
some interest because the visuals in the movie are really striking. So uh, the question is, what part of the draft attracted you? And Koiki says, the way I like to draw, characters are done in completely black shadowing with backgrounds that are also hand-drawn and painted to match the cells with all black shadowing. So basically the the blacks in the in the animation really pop because of that. And uh, basically that kind of project with a lot of people in leather jackets, cars, his animation style was really well suited for that. Right, yeah. Because all the shadows, tires, that kind of sh- and grease too because there's a shimmery quality to it there's like a sort of cellophane like underneath plastic kind of quality to it i was trying to describe in my head i was trying to figure out like what is what is this style because when you see it Mm -hmm. it's like you get it but it's so hard to put into words what this animation looks like it's mm-hmm. the blacks that's a that's a key it's not just like gradual shading it's stark harsh deep shadows which makes the colors and the shadows pop everything is on this like same plane where there's no fading of details it's all extremely detailed the backgrounds like you were saying like confetti pops up like that's drawn there's no shortcuts to any of it and it's all layered on Mm -hmm. top of it on not even layered it's like it's thrown onto the same plane Mm -hmm. if that makes it like the background foreground Mm -hmm. they're like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the same so you're looking Mm -hmm. at everything at the same time it's like you took one of those limitless pills yeah yeah no i dig that on that tip too about the 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 drawing basically um, the question goes uh, there's a real feeling of elasticity in the cars it's surprising how extremely precise the drawings are Ishii says it's erotic just as people are erotic so are the cars you can't get that feeling from CG you say whoa these are really hand drawn that's the feeling you get when you finish watching it's kind of like feeling drunk then Koike says those angles or distortions or exaggerated passes I can do to my liking that's what it means to draw by hand the excitement of hand-drawn animation is necessary for my work. So from the beginning, we decided definitely by hand. But during the production, a lot of staff members started saying, yeah, can we just do this with CG? <laughs> and I would say, no, I'm doing it by hand, damn it. Ishii says, I believe if we don't show the liveliness and forcefulness of hand-drawn animation now, everyone will fall back on CG. Everything done so tidily. I really hate that stuff. Yeah, because I was thinking about it too. I didn't have like a an example that like that I could pull to mind necessarily. Well, any any Pixar movie, for example, which has pretty be- since they since they revolutionized the CG shit, like their shit is pretty beautiful for the most part. Uh, but there's you can see where the influence like fell downhill and everything Mm -hmm. is like cg animated there can be cool concepts but imagine redline with all the like same concepts same story characters everything but the animation is different they did use the cg 
maybe they used the like sort of cell shaded uh like digitally cell shaded cg attack on titan kind of look or whatever uh mm-hmm. or or even worse the fucking uncanny disney plus original look of like round heads and all that real creepy shit i don't vibe with at all uh coco melon style yeah like it it's not the same it's not the same thing and these mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. visual anime film the visuals are more important than anything because it could it could just be a book like the story doesn't really this is these are the perfect like examples to make this point like dead leaves and redline which redline has more of a story and more going on but it's a it's a visual medium so it has to be about the visuals and how do you celebrate the human expression like the human spirit how do you celebrate art through a visual medium you have to do everything yourself you can't Mm-hmm. shortcut it with CGI mm-hmm. Ishii says I wanted to raise anime to a level of artistry that no one not Takashi Murakami nobody could beat that no one would even try to beat something about which people would say whoa you can make something this cool something where anyone from any country would understand the greatness of anime I love this guy's attitude I lo- that's a great I, attitude to have and he did it like I didn't know any of that yeah. shit about this. I'd seen the poster. What I knew about Redline is I'd seen the poster. Uh, it's a very striking, you know, yellow, red. Those two colors. When you want attention, that's a marketing thing, and that's not an agitator like tip. That's actually a long known marketing strategy. McDonald's. McDonald. Everything is red and yellow. Like that shit grabs mm-hmm. people's attention. Uh, so I remember the poster I know weebs have kind of talked about like we'll mention it but not talk about it I didn't even really know it was about cars and then I watched it and knowing nothing about it everything that he said I want people to be blunt like it's important that it's hand drawn there was a point in the movie towards the end where I was thinking like god damn this was all hand drawn and then I was also by the end of it I was like this is the coolest movie I've ever seen and that's what he that's what he set out to do yeah yeah the movie is about uh uh these races that take place in the future um so it starts off on a yellow line race which is the qualifier for the red line and you have uh what's what's his name uh uh who jp the jp that's it yeah he's got this big pompadour looking thing that's like crazy it comes out it's maybe like a two foot pompadour looking thing he's kind of like a greaser biker type guy and he's in the race it's fixed his uh his buddy his buddy who talks like this the entire time what's that guy's name the little gremlin guy frisbee you mean frisbee 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 yeah yeah he talks like this he basically puts a bomb in his car uh to sabotage him at the last minute so that they can make money for the mob because they're in debt blah 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 blah. oh fun fact in the japanese version uh tadanobu asano is the voice of frisbee really yeah that's badass man we watched the dub which is pretty good 
the dub was actually good. Um, the thing I noticed immediately as it started uh, when you're watching the Yellow Line race is the variety of character designs in it. Uh, there's so much packed into every frame. Like, no two aliens look the same, basically. So you end up with this feeling of <clears throat> of real detail. And it's not that, I, you know, people use the term immersion. It, like, immerse, it gets you immersed in the world. I don't think so. I think it just... Uh, it's just the feeling of that people put work into it. There was no laziness to it. There wasn't like, okay, so we're going to have... Everything's going to kind of look like this little gremlin. It's like, no, everything is different. This one looks like it, its head is a like a letter T. It's got hammerhead eyes. This one's a little Jawa creature thing. But it's all very finely detailed. There are those little get... Furbies that are always scalping tickets. Yeah, the, the ticket scalpers were funny. Always beating people up if they didn't want to buy a ticket or whatever. Uh and what I noticed right off the bat was the level of detail, the colors, and uh, and the sound effects too. Like I texted you that this was like ASMR for for car people, right? All the gears shifting and the engines revving. Uh, it was it was pleasurable to listen to. Oh yeah, I had to uh, watch it in like three different sit downs because I had to keep changing my underwear. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's what it was. Yeah, I said it's ASMR for tuner kids. Um, but yeah, it's uh, basically JP gets to go to the big race because people drop out because it's taking place on Robo World, which is funny in contrast to the level of detail. Uh, there's there's visual detail, but plot and story detail is just largely unimportant to them. They're like, what's it called? Robo World? Okay, cool. And Robo World doesn't want them to race there. Why? Uh uh, I don't really know, but uh, they're gonna try to kill them if they race on the planet. So it it becomes like a mission to just get to the planet and do the race, um, which I thought was done really interestingly. There's there's like a lot of levels to how that actually has to happen. You have to have people on the planet who are working in collaboration, running illicit gambling dens, and mm -hmm. the mafia has to be involved. It's it's well imagined, right? From a from a simple kind of brush off concept. I love that too. Like it just, you know, it came from the minds of geniuses at play is what it is because it's like these big ideas that are given no attention. Nobody gives a fuck. It's like, well, let's focus on like the, let's make some kind of commentary on the labored, uh, the forced labor workforce and the rebellion that rises up during the race. It's like, nah, let's just put them in some suits to punch shit and keep the race moving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it really does. They have a great device for introducing and giving backstories to all the different characters. It's just, it's TV. It's just a TV show that comes on. And they say, yeah, let's do a profile on this racer. And you kind of, you get their background, you get their history. There's usually several jokes in there because it's a very funny movie. Um, and then you're ready to, to rip. Most of that is forgotten by the time the race starts because who cares? It's time to get time to for Machine Head, like Machine Head's character has a lot of great details, but he's just the big antagonist racer, basically. It, it's even it's more amazing that it has these little things that they don't linger on or that they kind of shrug off, because if it was just if those things weren't peppered in, 
and it was just a bunch of stupid shit. And the the excuse was, well, you're just watching it for the colors and the races. So all the dumb story shit is just like, yeah, that's lame. And but but that's not the reason you're watching it. It's like, no, it, it, it's interesting shit going on in the background. They just don't really act like they give a fuck to linger on that. It's not about the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's crucial. Like when, uh, yeah, yeah. Like when JP meets up with Sanashi at the restaurant. There's so much detail going on in the background, in the tanks, when they bring her her spaghetti. The spaghetti is like alive, and it's kind of its own creature. Just little things like that all add up to feeling like it's a very uh, painstakingly made movie. Even the acting, the voice acting. I noticed there was a there's a point where the the granddaddy long legs, the mechanic who has like eight legs or whatever. Uh, is talking and he rubs his face while he's talking and the voice actor does it too like the voice gets muffled when the hand is over his mouth and then comes back whenever the hand goes away that's an attention to detail that you just kind of wouldn't see in a English dub of an anime usually or maybe even just like you know maybe in (laughs) Japanese either yeah no the level of detail was fascinating the What was your what was your favorite set piece? Favorite set piece. I liked the end when the when the road comes up out of nowhere. Like when the the kind of the ground splits open and the road appears. Oh yeah, they have the finish line on top of a tower and then mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then the uh princess of some galaxy who has like diplomatic immunity or something like that who the robots don't really care anyways they're like well, i don't give a fuck we'll kill you uh mm-hmm. but she does something to raise the the road magic <laughs> yeah magic she uses oh that is what it is they're like she's mm-hmm. allowed to use magic because she's royalty or something uh and so she uses magic to raise the road out of out of the ground and allow them to make it to the top of the tower to cross the finish line. But there are other, I mean, just JP kind of riding his chopper, his hover chopper around at night with the three moons in the in the background. I, I got a lot of joy out of those scenes. I like the first race when he drops the second nitro in and his eyes start bleeding because he's going so fast. Um, the sense of speed is really good in this uh uh, but every yeah. time the nitrous goes in the tank and then the like I, I love the use of nitrous too is like kind of this uh this little sphere of uncontrollable energy that they drop into their mm-hmm. machine at some point and he's got a little canister he undoes and pulls up and drops the thing in there and then it just explodes inside his vehicle and then everything mm-hmm. stretches like it gets all yep. gooey and loose and he's like his arms oh, yeah, shoot yeah, yeah. out like stretch armstrong and <laughs> there's that great shot yeah where everything's like wibbly where him and sonashi are in the car towards the end right and everything like stretches out like you said like stretch armstrong i uh, i like that the cars whenever the nitrous goes into that they do like backflips and shit like <laughs> it's so much power that the car just starts to rotate end over end and then they like pick it up and go but uh yeah no there's a lot of great 
I mean, every, I mean, the robo world bad guys, the fact that uh, for whatever reason, some of them walk down into their interactive map of the world and others stand on top of it. I don't know. It's just, it all looked really, and then the main bad guy is always like sucking on some kind of like the, he's like from Dune or something. He's got like uh, one of those tubes that he's constantly hydrating with. He's got a camelback on basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like little little touches like that that frankly you don't see very often in anime. Like little character touches like that that distinguish the different characters from each other. That's the kind of shit that like and then it obviously takes the throne over Fast and the Furious but Easily, yeah. Fast and the Furious. I've always wanted, I've wanted an excuse to talk Fast and Furious on the show, because, I've I've got major beef with that franchise because I love it so much. Uh, mm-hmm. The first Fast and the Furious is one of the greatest films ever made, and that was yep. primed to be a tuner head soap opera for the ages, like on the level of Twin Peaks for weird shit, Fast and Furious was supposed to be that for for tuner culture. And they just shrugged off the tuner culture and it's like the opposite of how Redline just shrugs off all the backstory and crazy shit and just has it there. And it's Mm -hmm. all about the tuner shit. It's all about the racing. It's all about the cool visuals. It's all about you know that feeling of going fast and fast and furious became this weird like james bond thing where the cars were less and less even a factor yeah yeah i could see that it definitely uh i see what you're saying because basically if Fast and the Furious had remained a little bit more grounded in that culture, there's still plenty of stories that you could tell. You could even uh, go crazy, don't... like go to the moon, do all that shit, but make it still about the cars. That's the point. Uh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, it's just too many characters, right? Like it gets too bloated, and then it's hard to kind of do that. Um, no, I agree with you, though. I think that the, the Fast and the Furious... Well, I mean... The first one I saw in in theaters, actually, way back in the day, I used to spend the summers at my grandma's house, and she'd give me, you know, ten bucks or something, and drop me off at the movies. And uh, that summer was crazy. I saw like Tomb Raider, the one, uh, which was the first movie I didn't like that I saw in theaters. Uh, Fast and the Furious. Two thousand one was a pretty crazy year. Uh, that summer. So you, you didn't like the one when you first saw it. No, no, not when I first saw it. I was really disappointed because I was a huge uh, Jet Li fan, mm-hmm. and I I watched like Fist of Legend on repeat, and <clears throat> I didn't. This I think that the one was Jason Statham's first foray into action filmmaking because he had been in Lock, Stock, and Snatch, and a lot of people don't remember this, but before the one and the Transporter, Statham was not. He was kind of uh, like a goofy henchman type yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, he was a lackey. First, in those first two movies. He was a wisecracking yeah, like lackey. A lackey. Yeah, so I 
I didn't see the one with the understanding that he was like an action guy. I don't think that jived for me. And I think I wanted to see more of uh, more of the bullet time, multiple jetly action set pieces. And in the movie itself, those are really short. Like they're few and far between. It, there's the big one at the end, but there's not much other than that. Yeah. No, I agree. I thought that movie sucked, but I thought it sucked later. When I first saw it, I was like, hell yeah. Right on. Yeah, I haven't watched it since. I just, I see the the cover of it sometimes and I'm like, ugh. Because it was like the first one. You know, when you're 14 or however old I was then, you just kind of like stuff. You just kind of go to the movies you're like that, that whipped ass. Like I saw Tomb Raider, the Angelina Jolie one. Uh-huh. And I was like, that was great. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, I saw Fast and Furious, thought it was awesome, no notes. And then you go to a movie and you're like, wait a minute. Was that was that bad? I didn't enjoy that. Crazy. Maybe I'll have to revisit it 22 years later and see what I think now. Which, by the way, on your Fast and Furious tip, uh, I was watching... I needed a plot synopsis for Fast and the Furious for reasons that I won't discuss here. But I was watching a YouTube synopsis of the first movie. And the comments on it were kids saying, this movie came out before I was born and it's still going. And that made me feel weird. Time is strange. Because I was like, oh yeah, yeah, if, 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 you're a, if you're under 22 years old, yeah, The Fast and the Furious did come out before you were born. It's weird to think about. That is crazy. I used to think, I had a weird um, understanding of, I would just notice patterns in Hollywood shit this wasn't based on anything but I thought sequels came out two years after the movie and that's how it was Mm. because it seemed to be the case Mm -hmm. back in the day like everything was like here's this new movie and here's part two two years later Rush Hour 97 Rush Hour 2 99 you know etc etc but yeah when that dragged from 2003 to 2007 before they released the third one I was like damn this series is over it's over. And then they did a movie a year after that, pretty much. It's been every, well, no, every two years, right? I think. I think so. There have been a few that have been year after year, though. I think the run from five to nine was, was yearly, I want to say. They, they had a run in there where they were, they were cranking them out. And the uh, notoriously when The Rock and Vin Diesel fight in part five or six or something, like they both had it in their contract that they couldn't lose a fight. So <laughs> the filmmakers had to be like, uh, all right then, we'll, uh, we'll figure out how to make it so that neither of you lose. I think like a, Just... a part of the parking garage, like maybe a car falls on one of them or something. Aren't they fighting in a shipping container? This might be a fake memory. Oh, like yeah, a... they're fighting in a shipping container in part six. And I think in part... Well, they also fight in part seven, maybe. Oh, so they keep fighting and neither of them wins? Yeah, there's always some kind of <laughs> catch to it where... It's like the uh, original King Kong versus Godzilla. They had alternate endings. Godzilla won in Japan and uh, King Kong won in America. That might be fake. My dad told me that. He's not the most reliable source of information, but... Uh, those are those are people not confident in their acting skills though because the only reason that you would want that in your contract is so that nobody ever has the 
perception like you're not a versatile actor you know that you're perceived a certain way and you can't break that perception it's a wrestling thing like you don't want to break the kayfabe and so Mm. that's that's very much wrestler mentality the rock is still just he ain't he ain't dwayne johnson he's still the rock he still acts like a right like a wrestler yeah i remember too now this is bringing back memories when uh the Fast and the Furious came out. I remember being stoked for it because uh, I had seen Pitch Black. You ever see Pitch Black? Oh, Pitch Black Rules, yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing that. That was one of the best movies I thought I'd ever seen when I watched that in theaters. That movie's ridiculous. Probably still is. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, but... <laughs> Oh man, that's the that's the, my my letterbox review. This movie's <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, but uh, also, did you ever play Butcher Bay? Uh, Chronicle. Oh, Riddick Escape from uh, Butcher, Butcher Bay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That game, yeah. Butcher Bay was tight. That game went so hard. It was hard too. Yeah. That was a that was a tough yeah. game. Yeah, it was. I don't know if I ever beat it, but uh, it was like I think the people who made GoldenEye and and perfect dark i want to say they made butcher bait too and it had that kind of feel to it but um yeah no it's uh i was just really stoked for when the fast and the furious came out and then i remember paul walker did uh running scared you remember that movie yeah <laughs> that movie was that movie was fucking awesome i love running scared um although i think they if i remember correctly that was one of the ones where they changed the ending I think the original ending was much darker. I think he died or something. Yeah, it was because that... that was during the period of uh, unrated DVD releases. Mm-hmm. You know, when they'd mm-hmm. be like, "Alternate ending includes the controversial alternate ending." That was like a sticker you'd see in the movie store all the time. It would get me every time. I had to know. You know, the the deleted scenes on DVD boxes got me every time. I'd be like, and usually it's just dumb shit. Oh, yeah. The absolute worst was uh, every single Bourne Identity movie had deleted scenes Mm -hmm. that would literally be Jason Bourne taking notes in his car. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. No, it's literally stuff like that. It'd be like, oh, yeah, we cut this because for, for pacing issues or like an alternate version of a scene where you know jason bourne says the the line a little bit different than he did and it's like oh okay yeah i thought this was gonna be something he says i'm gonna fuck your nuts instead of who am i yeah (laughs) it's a weird change i would have loved to have been in the writer's room when they decided to make that change uh but no it's uh yeah sometimes you'd get uh it taught me that it was really weird what what got cut out of movies for gore you know because the stickers it would be like extra bloody edition and i'd watch the r-rated and the unrated cuts back to back i can't think of any specific examples and the director's commentary would be like oh yeah this one you can see on this one like what they made us cut was like a half a second clip of an eyeball flying out or something like that all little shit you know yeah or color color is a big thing the infamous last scenes of Taxi Driver and Kill Bill 1 where they have to mm-hmm. go black and white for the latter and they go high contrast, really weird, icky color for the... Taxi Driver looks grosser at the end than if they'd have just kept it re- mm-hmm. like regular mm-hmm. blood squibs and everything. 
Is that why they go black and white? Yeah, because otherwise, because um, there was another cut. There was Kill Bill, the whole bloody affair combines. It was a limited release, and it combined both volumes, and it also had the color version of that fight scene. Yeah, uh, with the crazy eighty-eight. Yeah, and because it, they wouldn't give it a rating, or it was gonna have like an NC seventeen rating if they didn't figure out something with that scene. It was too bloody, really? which is crazy Whoa. because it's all fake, you know. It's like yeah. it's that classic kung fu, fake limbs falling, uh, dramatic spray, arterial spray, and shit like that. Like, it's not. I wouldn't describe it as gruesome. Right. I'd describe it as the, awesome. Uh, but the the features for Fight Club also taught me that when censors want you to change something, you usually get the um, the worst version out of it. So they famously wanted to change uh marla after marla and uh tyler durden have sex she says uh, i want to have your abortion Mm -hmm. right that's the that's the line from the book and they're like no you have to change that so then they changed it to uh i haven't been fucked like that since grade school (laughs) and it's like that's object that's objectively worse that's so much worse that's that's such a worse thing to say i haven't been fucked like that that since i was seven (laughs) exactly and and then the other one that stuck with me was the angel face beating. So on the DVD, the one that looked like a package, such a fucking cool DVD box, the way that Fight Club box looked, mm-hmm. um, like like this like the soap package or something. Um, the angel face when Jared Leto gets beat up in Fight Club, they had they basically they just had more shots of his face getting hit, and the studio came back and said, no, you have to. You have to cut that down. You have to cut that down. So Fincher cut it. He did what they asked, and they added a few more like wet, meat slapping sounds. Mm-hmm. And he says in his commentary, and I agree with him. He's like, this actually makes it worse. Like, you can see the original, and it doesn't have the impact because we had to cut away when we did, and you just hear it. Your your brain does the work that they that they don't have to now. You know what I mean? And you're filling in like, God, this is ugly. Like he's getting pummeled. And then you watch the original and it's, I mean, yeah, it's intense, but because you can see it all, you're kind of like, ah, he's not that bad. He'll be all right. Yeah. Shake it off. No, those, those meat sounds are, they take, they have a better effect. I think anytime I just hear Mm -hmm. something like the right sound effects, when somebody's getting fucked up like that, that gets my stomach more than seeing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause honestly, like hitting somebody doesn't make that sound. It's the perfect sound effect for movies. I love it in movies, but you don't get a meat slapping the counter sound from punching somebody in the face. You don't get much of it unless you've almost killed them. Unless you've, I've heard that in some like MMA fights and stuff when somebody really connects. Well, that's more like a click actually. It's like a jaw click. Yeah, yeah. But you know, like you know, there's not. It's not a very distinct sound, so they have to come up with one to to put right. in your imagination what's happening since they're not showing it. And it mm-hmm. does make it a lot queasier than if you're just watching. Yeah, true. Unless you're watching high and low, and then it just gets boring. You're like, oh my god. 
they're still they're still hitting each so other. So many faces getting hit. So many punches to the face. Uh, so everybody should go watch Redline. the The colors are amazing. The sound design is amazing. The animation style was all hand drawn. It might be the last anime came out in two thousand and nine to ever have that level of intense artistry and attention to detail and uh, urge to just make something as cool as they could possibly make it. Um, it's a joy. I mean, I've, it's probably a movie that I'll just put on in the background from now on, which is what I do with my favorites uh, because you could pick it up at any point, watch what's going on and laugh or be amazed by the visuals. So easily 10 out of 10 movie for me. Yeah, hundred percent cosine. It feels more of the attitude of its characters than it's than it's making a commentary on something. It feels like it was gift wrapped for people who were going to fuck with it, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. a a motive that I that I kind of want to adopt. I feel like that's a that's a pure motive from an artist to ha- to be like. Number one, I want you to be blown away that I did this. Like, damn, a human made this. This is amazing. Two, the people who this is for, like, this is for you. Like, you're going to fuck with this. Mm -hmm. All right, so that's where we'll cut this one. Everybody who wants to hear uh, a more in-depth writing talk, we're going to get into it. We're going to have a writer's room episode of agitator z so go over to patreon.com slash agitator and sign up for the the five dollar a month thing uh it's it's everybody loves it so far yeah for five dollars a month you're getting a lot of crash courses you're getting saw stripping left and right you're getting bonus content you're getting essays you're getting writing shit original writing that we're not publishing anywhere else every single week Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I've got a novella that I'm going to drop there probably next month, and I'm going to print 50 of them, and 25 of them are going to go to Kickstarter backers who've been waiting for like six years for for this book, and then uh, the other 25 will be up for uh, patrons that want them. And then after that, it's just that's just how we're doing things now. So that's the funnel that's the that's the tube if you want uh one or all of the things that we do it's it's all gonna be there so 